for everything oh, for everything indie for everything cults it's the blue horseshoe now. now here's your host george bremer and ryan hickey and welcome back into the blue horseshoe podcast ryan hickey and george bremer here with you we are back off the bye week set for the home stretch of the cult season four games to go starting with saturday on another nationally televised spot this time in minnesota take on the vikings we will get you set a little bit for that game, but a lot also discussed around the Colts. Their draft stock, if you will, uh, after the bye week did improve. We'll discuss how and kind of some teams you got to look for going forward. We'll discuss the future of the head coach uh, head coach for the Colts. Is there a new, there's a new kind of dating system? We'll discuss if that's a, a true uh, coach a Colts should pursue. And also, Matt Ryan, is it the move, the right move for him to be quarterback number one for the Colts, at least for Saturday, taking on the Vikings. So a whole lot to discuss on this issue of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. But we can't start anywhere, George, uh, discussing your bye week plans. You probably spent the bye week better than almost anyone that's not a player going to Disney. Come on, let's brag. Let's hear it. How was Disney World the last few days? It was a lot of fun. You take a 10-year-old there, it's a lot of different experience. There's no doubt about it. But she was on cloud nine, so uh, it went really well. It was nice to get away from football for a week. But now I'm freezing. You come back up here after after a week in in you know high seventies and the low eighties, and I need like two jackets this week. So I, I just lost I've lost all my toughness. Yeah, that's for sure. Imagine some Colts that went to uh, you know if they went to tropical places. Now their welcome back is a trip to Minnesota. Now obviously it's a dome, yeah. but still walking off that plane on Friday night. Whew, you think you're cold? Oh boy, that's a that's a rude awakening. That is for sure. That Minnesota cold is a is a tough one there. So let's start at least with that Minnesota game, George, because Jeff Saturday and Tuesday did announce his plan at quarterback for this week's game, and that is keeping Matt Ryan at quarterback one. The last time we saw Matt Ryan, it was ugly against the Cowboys. Five total turnovers for the Colts. They got outscored 33 to nothing. Holy cow, in the fourth quarter of that game, take what was a close game for three quarters and turned it into a laugher. Is that the right move, you think, in your mind, to have Matt Ryan still going out there being quarterback one in what is a lost season at 4 and one I mean, I don't know that it is for the franchise in, in terms of, you know, their future. And I'm, I'm really not sure what is the right move at quarterback for the franchise right now because I still don't think Sam Ellinger is the guy moving forward. I don't think Nick Foles is the guy moving forward. So I think we discussed that on the bye week pod that really, you know, the the, the future quarterback is not on this roster right now. Uh, but I think it's, it's one of these situations we've been talking about it a lot throughout the year where sometimes the, the head coach is – and the general manager are, are maybe in a different mindset than the franchise is overall. You know, I think right now the best thing for the Colts obviously is to continue to lose games and get the highest possible draft pick they can and, and see what they can do to improve this team in, in 2023. Uh, but if you're Jeff Saturday, realistically, you probably got to go four and zero at this point to even try to make a case to be, to, to, to hold on as the head coach. I mean, you're one in three, at what is the break for you now on the bye week? You got four games left. You finish four and zero. You're five and three overall. You be eight eight and one as a team. That's the only way I can even see him trying to make a case. I don't think there's much chance as it is, uh, but that's the only way I can even see him trying to make a case to stay here. Is you know, hey, look, these last four weeks, I made it look the way you thought it would all year long. And I think in his mind, well, I know in his mind because he said it, you know. Matt Ryan gives him the best chance to win these games. So he said, you know, one of the interesting things he said on Monday was these are four winnable games. And I don't think he's wrong. 
Um, you know, they're tough games. You've got three playoff contenders uh, in this stretch, but these are four winnable games. I, I doubt the Colts win them, um, but I think if you're Jeff Saturday, that's got to be your mindset right now. I think that's why the decision's been made. I don't know that I agree with it, uh, but again, I don't know what would have excited me at quarterback. Not that anything would excite me, I guess, but I think this is the wrong move. And I would, if it was me, I would put Sam Ellinger in for the last four games because I think it's it's twofold. Number one, I think you have to take away the possibility of Matt Ryan getting hurt and then having basically his entire contract for next year guaranteed and having that on the books whether you want him on the roster or not. At least he doesn't get hurt, and is you know the injury doesn't guarantee money for next year. At least if you want to move off of Matt Ryan, let's say you have a little bit more flexibility than you would if you play him, he gets hurt on Saturday, and then let's say you know he can't pass the physical. I believe it's March 1st, then all of a sudden you're kind of SOL and, and all that money is guaranteed. So you kind of leave yourself a little bit extra flexibility uh, for next year. But also, too, you have to make a decision, you know, when it comes to the quarterback room and how crowded it is for next year. Because you mentioned, right, the quarterback for this team is not on the roster right now. But right now you have three quarterbacks and Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, Sam Ellinger. All are under contract past this season. So it's not like it's just kind of like, oh, we'll let Nick Foles go in for agency. Maybe Matt Ryan will let him go. And Sam Ellinger's gone. You kind of revamp the quarterback room. You're going to have to make a decision on probably bare minimum two of those guys, whether you draft a guy in the first round, whether you, you get a later round project, like a guy like Kenyon Hooker we've been talking about as well. Like, I don't know. We'll see what the Colts end up doing. And we have a lot of time between now and then to kind of break that down. Uh, the best move. But either way, we believe at some point, whether it's in the draft, free agency, a trade, the Colts will bring in a quarterback. So you're going to have four guys in your quarterback room next year. You have to make a decision again on bare minimum two. So at least with Sam Ellinger, I think you have to decide as a franchise, they gave him the benefit of the doubt. They kind of talked about how much I like him. They put him on the roster, George, week one. And they had three quarterbacks on the roster week one, which is to me is still one of the most confusing things roster construction-wise that they did. But they obviously like him. Give him a chance to show you either, number one, a reason to maybe keep him as a backup if you want to get rid of Nick Foles and, and Matt Ryan next year and keep Sam Ellinger as the, as the number two. Or kind of dang him on straight bait. Give another team a reason to believe, oh, maybe we can bring this guy and have him be our quarterback. Either way, Sam Ellinger, I think, getting a final verdict, if you will, of giving him, I don't say real opportunity because it, it kind of was half-assed when they gave it to him that two-week two stint at, at starter after Frank Reich was fired. Uh, or before Frank, uh, Frank Reich was fired, excuse me. Um, at least give him four games, let him either play his way into a trade or let him play his way out of being on the roster. But I would just say at least you get an answer one way or another next year on Ellinger, kind of clear one area of the quarterback controversy out, either in a good way or bad way, by having him play the last four games. Yeah, I mean, I get that. And it, it sound logic. I just, for me, my answer's been on Ellinger forever. I, I don't see it with him. I don't think I'm with you, guy. by the way. Um, you know, so I just don't it just doesn't move the needle for me, but I, I understand the logic completely and it probably is the right move. I mean, if you're looking at it, you're not getting much from, from playing Foles. You're not getting much from playing Ryan. Why not throw the kid out there and, and see what he's got? You know, I, that makes all the sense in the world. But again, I think it goes back to that. We've talked about that dichotomy before where you've got a head coach who's, who's got to do a completely different kind of mindset uh, than, than the rest of the franchise. And it's tough. I think it's one of the tough things in the NFL um, because you can't really right now, if you're Jim Ursay or Chris Ballard, you can't really go into to Jeff Saturday's office and demand that he play Sam Ellinger because you're going to put him in the same situation, put Frank Reich in, uh, and then you're going to have an even harder time finding a head coach. You know, after the season, it's it's a mess. Good I think point. that's the thing. You know, the bottom line, I think it's a mess. Um, 
and it goes back to, to all of it. I mean, the situation that you created when, when you brought Jeff Saturday in here, uh, the fact that you're going to have such a full quarterback room next year, all of it to me is, is just, it's a really messy situation. I, I do agree hundred percent. I don't know that you're getting anything out of Matt Ryan right now. Um, you know, if you're Jeff Saturday, maybe you are, if he wins some games and, and burnishes your resume and gives you a chance to, to keep this job. I don't know anybody else is, is gaining anything from Matt Ryan playing. And that's part of, you know, the frustrating part too. When you have like the, the organization not aligned, like I understand it's tough to tell Jeff Saturday, Hey, like we don't really care about you. We're going to do what we want. We're going to lose many games because it's in the benefit of us. And we're not going to really give you a fair shake at getting the job. You know, you want it. So it's a really tough decision that the Colts going to put themselves in here with, with the way they handled everything with, with Frank Wright going forward. But at the same time, like I think you owe it to yourself to do what's in the best interest of your future. You're four in one. This team is not going anywhere. Again, it's to your detriment. I think Chris Ballard could recognize this. I hope even Jim Mercer recognizes it is to your detriment right now to win games. You tried to win your own this season. It did not work. And now when you're sitting there in seventh right now in the draft, where you desperately need a quarterback, where whether it's drafting one or maybe even trading up, the higher you are, the more attractive it is, more enticing it is, more likely it is, you get the guy you actually like in the draft, whoever it may be, winning games right now is not in the best interest of the Colts the final month. And it's I know it's a tough situation, but whether it's Jim or say Chris Ballard, someone has to be able to take control of the organization and say, this is the route we're going. Ellinger's playing, and we're just going to, you know, suck it up basically for the last month. It'll be interesting to see how long this lasts too. You know, I thought Saturday today when he was asked if, if Ryan was really started for the rest of the way, he said he hopes so, you know, that that's the play it that's the idea that they're winning games. You know, if they lose and they get eliminated, officially eliminated from playoff contention, which I think could happen as early as this week, uh, but definitely could happen within the next two weeks. Uh, that's when I think you would almost certainly see them go to Ellinger because there'll literally be nothing left to play for. Um, I, I think the case can definitely be made to do it already, but I think it'll be interesting to see. That's the next checkpoint, I guess, on this path in, in my mind when you hit that point where they're officially out of the playoffs uh, and, and then you make the move to Sam Ellinger and, and you say all the things that you just said, you know, trying to find out what you've got there as, as you prepare for the draft. It's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on and see how that plays out. Let me ask you this question. The Colts are in the midst of three straight standalone games, right? They had last Sunday night. They have this Saturday in a one o'clock standalone game uh, on Saturday against the Vikings. Then they play Monday night, the following week after Christmas against the Chargers. How much do you think being in three primetime standalone games, do you think that impacts the Colts decision-making when it comes to rolling out which quarterback? I'm sure it affects Jeff Saturday again. You know, I don't know about everybody else, but again, in his case, because it's not just trying to keep this job. If he wants to be a head coach in this league anywhere, uh, you know, he, he wants to put out the best resume he can. So I'm sure he's going to want the best quarterback he can get out there. And then I wonder, it just really, as we're talking, it, it made me think, you were talking about the Ellinger trade possibility. Maybe maybe there's an element of that with Matt Ryan, too. Maybe if he plays well enough, they don't necessarily win games, but maybe an ideal situation for the Colts is that he plays well enough down the stretch uh, and they lose the three really good football teams in the next three weeks anyway that maybe his market goes up. You're not going to get a lot for him, but he becomes tradable, which he isn't really right now. You know, that's the only other benefit I could see to the franchise. Maybe uh, the, the best possible scenario here is that he plays well the next two weeks they lose two close games it doesn't affect their draft position 
Then they bench him and go to Ellinger. And then Ryan, maybe that convinces a team like the Saints or somebody like that who doesn't have a first-round pick to come and get him and, and take their shot with him next year. Maybe the commanders will go two years in a row trading for a Colts, a Colts quarterback. I do think now that you, I don't know why it just kind of hit me now, but I feel like that the national games do impact the quarterback decision because, I mean, you know, Jim Mercy is a man of pride. I don't think he wants to see his team embarrassed, especially the way they were in the fourth quarter against the Cowboys, where it's like if they were just playing in your classic one o'clock Sunday window the next month, it's easier to kind of hide. You know, like it's easier to just mm-hmm. kind of fade away, lose four games, have Sam Ellinger out there, just, you know, embarrass yourself. But at least it's not where everyone's watching. Whereas, you know, Saturday against the Vikings, even though it's not a, a truly attractive game nationally, a lot of people will be watching. A lot of people will have their eyes on the Monday night game because that's going to be a huge one for the Chargers and their playoff hopes. So it's like I do think that almost kind of works against the Colts in this kind of timing. Do you think it almost makes it harder to make a quarterback change now to go to Sam Ellinger? Because like I said, we've seen him through two games. It's not been very good whatsoever. Clearly, Jeff Saturday is no faith in him because the first move he made literally coming in was, all right, Matt Ryan's going to be our quarterback one. That was like right away, first order of business. So it's clear he has no faith in, in uh, Ellinger whatsoever. Yeah, I think that's this is like a, a situation where the three primetime games or three standalone games, I should say, in a row, I think it does hurt the Colts in a way where they might lose anyway, so it truly doesn't matter. But in mm-hmm. terms of at least making it a, a more of a guarantee with uh, – with Sam Ellinger playing it and them losing, I think that kind of takes a little bit of it away. And to your point on Saturday and his confidence in Ellinger, I mean, Ellinger's not just not the starter. He's number three and he's still Good number point. three. You know, they, they, they confirmed that again. So he, he put him past Foles as well. So I think that really does say a lot about where Jeff Saturday, you know, is with, with that quarterback. And um, I think you're right. You know, I think the primetime situation has to factor in. I, I definitely does for Saturday. And again, I think it just goes back to what we've been talking about for a month or more now that, that this this organization is not well aligned right now. No. Uh, and you've got a head coach who, who's doing things one way, uh, trying to keep his job and, and, and be the head coach next year. Uh, it's hard to say where Chris Ballard falls on this right now because he's not – I mean, he got the vote of confidence, but we don't know how safe he is. We really haven't talked a lot about his future uh, but I, I would think that, you know, the Colts winning in these last four games would bolster his resume, too. It would, it would you know, give him a better chance of staying wherever that stands right now, whether it's 75 percent or it's 25 percent. It would be better, I think, uh, for him if, if they win. But again, if you're Jim Irsay and then the franchise as a whole, obviously losing is is the best thing they can do right now and moving up that draft board. So, um it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, there's seven right now. I think there's three more teams behind them that, that have four wins. So if those three teams pick up a win each, they can move as, as high as four. Um, you know, they're, they're really getting into the top five is a real possibility for this team. Um, especially if they don't win more than one, one game the rest of the way, I think they can probably win once and stay in the top 10, looking at the, the landscape of things. But, yeah, I mean, you definitely don't want to go three and one or four and zero from a draft standpoint. Technically, they could still win the division, but that takes a minor miracle. Technically, they can still make the playoffs, but that takes an equal miracle. Um, it's not a good situation. I, I think that's the bottom line. They find themselves in a really tough spot, both in terms of what where you are at the quarterback position and what you're trying to do moving forward. I think all of it's messy, and it's going to be really an interesting offseason. You're going to bring a rookie into this mix, and it's going to be really interesting to see how it all sorts itself out. 
Oh yeah, I think that's the you know the biggest thing for the Colts is organizational alignment going forward. Like forget quarterback, forget you know left tackle. It has to be alignment, and that really starts with GM and head coach and figuring that out going forward. Because like I said, you got to figure out your identity. You got to figure out who you are, what you're trying to accomplish going forward here, in order to kind of get yourself going on the right track. Because like I said, right now the Colts are spinning their wheels. They don't want. They don't know if they they want to win. They should win. It's better for them not to win. But here they are trying to win. It's it's a total mess. It's an absolute total mess. And part of that here is that now you're starting to see a little bit of, I'll say backfiring, but now I guess the, if you want to say the chickens are now coming you know, home to roost, if you will, when it comes to the hiring of Jeff Saturday. Because Jeff Saturday said something on Tuesday that I think is very interesting that will definitely have an impact on the rest of the season. We'll tell you what that is when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back after the bye, it is the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ronnie and George Bremer here with you. Make sure you are downloading and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod as we will have not only a very busy final four games of the regular season, but a very, very busy, very intriguing offseason for sure, George, with a lot of storylines. Obviously, quarterback is going to be a dominant one, but also head coach as well. That's one that the Colts have to tackle. Let's start, let's start there, George, because now you have, obviously, Jeff Saturday, the interim. And he was talking on Tuesday about how basically he is going all in and making a, a real push to be the Colts' permanent head coach. He said as long as they allow him to interview, he plans on interviewing. He's having a lot of fun. And so for someone who had no real interest uh, and really any sort of um, experience outside of a few years high school, uh, coaching high school football, he now has gotten a taste of being an NFL head coach for four games, finds out he likes it, and now is going to try to go forward and make a, a full court press here to get the job. You kind of hit on it before, uh, but is there anything outside of going 4-0? I'm not even sure if, if you are 8-8-1, eight, eight if that's enough to get the job, but what are the chances, what are the odds you would give that Jeff Saturday is, is a true contender for the Colts head coaching opportunity? I mean, maybe like 20% on the high side. Like, I'm, I'm trying wow. to be optimistic. You know, I, I just don't – again, he's got to go 4-0 to even have a case to make. Because even at three and one, he's going to be four and four overall, and that's going to be a pretty wishy-washy. I'm just trying to think of walking into Jim Irsay's office and trying to make the pitch for why you should keep the job. I think you've got to be four and zero oh just to even have any chance of of, of making that stick. Because uh, you could walk in there then and say, "Look, you know, came out of that bye week. That was my first real chance to get my bearings and and set things on a path that was actually my path." Uh, but you can tell, you know, what the coaching staff thinks. And Clayton Adams just left. You know, there's four games left, and he went to, to Stanford uh, to point. join the staff there. How often do you see a position coach leave during the season is not to be a head coach somewhere at, at the college level? Um, but they know, you know, and I'm not saying that that's not a vote of confidence in Jeff Saturday. They know even if he does get the job, he's not keeping this staff. In all likelihood, he's going to bring in his own guys. Maybe if you guys survive probably guys on the defensive side would have a better chance of, of coming back. Uh, but you got to figure he's going to clean house for the most part, especially on the offensive side, um, even if he does get the job. But, yeah, I would say 20%, and I, I think that's an optimistic number. I don't see 
you know, if you're two and two the rest of the way or three and one, you know, I, I don't know that that's going to be enough. I don't know that four and oh is going to be enough, but to me, that's the only way you even legitimately can go into Ursay's office and say, look, change things at the bye week came out, beat three playoff contenders, finished four and oh, I deserve the job. To that point, he would be five and three, right? As a head coach of the Colts of final eight games, which is okay, fine. But uh, like, I'm with you. I think there's, here's a take for you, George. I think there's a greater chance. Andrew Luck is the next head coach of the Colts compared to Jeff Saturday. Ooh. I don't know if I'll go that far, but I think it's they're they're not far apart on the on the odds list. Let's put it that way. You could probably get similar money on them in Vegas. That is that is for sure. I mean, you had the ESPN article last week coming out of Andrew Luck and kind of you know his new new life and you know his you know he kind of is falling you know kind of falling in love with coaching. I could see Jim Mercer saying like you know Andrew's my you know he left us, but now he's coming back. I could see him absolutely falling in love with that storyline over Jeff Saturday. But I mean, again, either way, I think it's extremely, extremely unlikely. Like, I don't know, three percent is what I would give, just because, like, you kind of mentioned, like, what is the case? Like, if Jeff Saturday walks into Jim Mercy's office outside of stating a record, which again, five and three, all things considered, okay, fine, not a, that's a solid job considering you know this team was pretty bad under Frank Reich, the talent was not there, the, the, the turnovers are awful. But even with that, it's okay. Outside of five and three, what else could you say? Because like, he had no part in any sort of decision making. Any sort of, of coach, uh, coaches coming in, scheme he couldn't touch. Like, but that's part of the reason why we talked about when he came in. Like, he can't do anything. Everything's already set offensively, defensively. We have no idea what Jeff Saturday likes as a in terms of uh, offensive preference. Does he do, does he want to run the ball? Is he more of a you know a spread offense guy, a pro style guy? I have no idea. The only thing we I think truly do know is that he is more conservative than Frank Reich, and he's one someone who's not going to really go for it a ton of fourth down and sit kick field goals. Other than that, George, I couldn't tell you the identity of Jeff Satter as head coach. I'm not really sure how that is going to be enough to kind of convince Jim Mercer in this little mini trial he has that, yeah, that's enough to trust him to be the next head coach of the Colts permanently. Yeah, no, you know, I think if he'd gone like seven and one or six and two, then you'd you'd have a much better case. But where you're at now, he's one and three. You're coming off one of the worst losses in in recent seasons for this team uh, in terms of you know national embarrassment and and, and just the margin. Um, it's really hard to imagine him keeping the job. I think, you know, it's good from his standpoint that his mind's where it's at. It should be there. I, I don't think he should ever have any other thought, you know, in his head. Uh, then, then they're going to win these last four games and he's going to be the head coach moving forward. If you're in that position, that's the only way you can think. But I just don't see it happening. I didn't see it happening the day he took the job. And I don't think anything's changed since then to, to make his chances better. I think it's also interesting too, George, because we've talked to this a few times after the game that this team, outside of starting a little bit faster, I think that's one thing we can give uh, Jeff Saturday for. They have gone off to a little bit better starts compared to when Frank Reich's head coach. But other than that, this team is the same. Like we still see the same issues with with turnovers, with how they kind of play. So it's like that's another thing too. Is it's not like you could say this team is remarkably changed, even if the wins aren't there, but we still see a different team. This is a more intense team. They're, they're better on the finer details. Like for the most part, George, the Frank Wright coach Colts, the Jeff Saturday Colts, uh, coached Colts. They're basically the same, they a different face coaching them outside of that. They're kind of in terms of identity, how they play. It's the same. So again, if you can't even show that in your half season, that even if the wins aren't there, that, 
you can't even really imprint your identity on this team and you can't even fix little areas, there's not really much of a case. Yeah, I mean, the run game's improved marginally. And then, like I said, they've gotten off to better starts. Uh, that's about it. You know, I don't really know there's a lot going on right now that wasn't going on when Reich was here, good and bad. Uh, it looks like a very similar team, and, and their situations have been very similar how these games have played out. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think that he's going to be high on the list. Now, does he get an interview? I think he probably does. Um, maybe not if they lose out. You know, he's one in seven. Maybe it's just thanks for, for everything and it's parting way. But um, I, I imagine he gets interviewed. Or I imagine he's on the list of candidates. But I I find it difficult to think that he's going to be the head coach uh, when, when OTAs start next April. Agree. Agree. Now, we were talking before the show. There's one head coach's name that you've kind of heard getting some steam. Who is that, George? Leslie Frazier. You know, he seems like he's the new uh, rising name, I guess, uh, a little bit around the league, but especially here Oof. in Indy. Got some connections here. I mean, that that's one of the things. Was here, obviously, under Tony Dungy uh, as a defensive coach. Has previous experience as a head coach in, in Minnesota, though he did not have a winning record there. And the Bills' defense has been a really consistent unit uh, under him, you know, the entire time he's been out there. Uh, I think it's one of those things that it's not an exciting name. I, I think that's, you know, I think probably most people are going to agree with that. Uh, but that seems to be the one that I'm hearing the most right now. Oh, 54 games as the Vikings head coach, went 21, 32, and 1. So, hey, if part of being a tie, you know, getting a tie is there, there you go. He's in consideration, made the playoffs once. Yeah, I'm with you. When it comes to excitement, when it comes to jumping off the page, he doesn't really get me excited. And I think part of it, George, is you have a very young team with the Colts, and a lot of the guys that should be here, again, are and cornerstones are, for the most part, pretty much young guys still on, you know, uh, rookie contracts for the most part. I just don't know if Leslie Frazier's dullness, uh, that's maybe unfair, but I don't really, right now, can't think of another word to describe it. I don't know how that's going to play. I don't think that's going to be enough, frankly, to kind of get this team going in the right direction. Like it's, you want to get on Frank Reich. I think one of the areas you can get on Frank Reich on is his lack of fire and sometimes lack of holding some people accountable, um, offensively, defensively. I don't see much of a difference personality-wise from Frank Reich to Leslie Frazier. Nope. No, they're both in that Tony Dungy kind of mindset and, and, and mentality. Uh, they both coached with Tony. You know, I think it would be very similar. In a lot of ways, it's the defensive version of Frank Reich you'd be bringing in uh, with, with Leslie Frazier. I just yeah, don't, I like that. you know, I, I think it's an interesting situation, though, from the standpoint of it's kind of telling of maybe the difficulties this team's going to have in attracting head coaching candidates. I mean, I think Leslie Frazier is that kind of guy they're going to have to look at. Somebody trying to get a second chance, somebody you can sell as, you know, understanding this organization and, and obviously having done a good job as coordinator, I think that's going to be where they're at. I mean, we've talked before, Jim Harbaugh is sort of the pie in the sky. That's the one big name guy that, that maybe would take this job. Um, I think after that, it's a lot of Leslie Frazier's that are going to be, you know, coming in and interviewing here or or that kind of, of, of a situation. Because honestly, frankly, people who have options in this coaching cycle are probably not going to put the Colts high on their list. You, that is fair. I think you're right about that, which is twofold. Number one, I think it's why, again, it goes back to losing as many games as you can. Part of, we, we talked about this even when Frank Riker's fired. Part of what's going to make the Colts an attractive job is getting as high of a draft pick as they possibly can. And right now, sit at seventh. 
Um, if you can get to five, if you can get inside the top five, sit there at number four, I do think it makes it a little bit more attractive to maybe a, an upper echelon candidate because you can pitch a plan if you're uh, Jim Mercer, if you're Chris Ballard of either this is these are the two or three quarterbacks we're targeting, or hey, we're going to try to trade up, you know, from five to two to get this guy, or hey, we're you know, there's this guy's on the block. We have this top pick. We're going to give like I think it's just easier. You're more options when you have a, a top five pick compared to again if you're sitting if you win two more games or God forbid, honestly, God forbid, if you go four and zero and it's the worst case scenario and you're sitting there, like pick fifteen, it makes it a lot tougher to convince a good candidate to come to Indy. But I will say really quickly, George, you look around the landscape. I do think the more and more you look around, I think the more and more favorable it's starting to become for the Colts. I wonder, if we look at the Chargers, right? They are a notoriously a cheap organization. I wonder if they'll fire Brandon Staley. Then nice win on Sunday over the Dolphins. If you make the playoffs, it's rumored, and that's always been the thought of, oh, that's, you know, that's Sean Payne's job next year. I wonder if they fire Brandon Staley to make the playoffs. You look at Cliff Kingsbury in an Arizona. I would have thought for sure he would have been fired at the end of the year. Well, now if Kyler Murray tears ACL, he's out for the rest of the year. Number one, that impacts the Colts because right now the Cardinals are one spot ahead of the Colts. So that might be a little bit tougher to jump the Cardinals considering now Colt McCoy is going to be the quarterback the next four games. But also, too, like if they do fire Cliff Kingsbury with how late Kyler Murray tore his ACL and with some of the recovery times being you know up and down, I think it's realistic that he'll miss most of maybe all of next year, George. So if you're a first, if you're a head coach, do you want to go to Arizona where their first year is going to be without Kyler Murray? I think it's a little less attractive. Denver, obviously, they have their own problems. Probably defending Hackett's going to get fired, and you have Russell Wilson. If you don't believe Russell Wilson, well, there's not a lot of reasons to go to Denver. You look around. It's there. The Colts can have an opportunity, again, if you get a, a, inside the top five here, to be one of the more attractive job opportunities and openings Um come Black Monday compared to when you kind of look around and what we thought maybe even a month ago when teams like, oh, the Cardinals and the Chargers, they're definitely going to be open and they're more attractive than the Colts. It's starting to kind of tilt towards the Colts' way of maybe they aren't one of the worst options along with Carolina in terms of head coach openings. It'll be interesting to see. You know, I think it, I've always been a little bit more pessimistic, I think, as far as the offseason uh, I don't know if maybe it's because we're stuck in the season we're still in right now and, and it's just my train of thought. Uh, so it will be interesting to see. I mean, you make some good points there. Uh, I think it will be the Chargers situation in particular, I think is going to be really interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, and the Colts have some say in that because, you know, obviously that game they do. Uh, will be huge for, for the Chargers, you know, as they're trying to get in. Um, and the Cardinals situation definitely is not as good a job as it might have been uh, with a healthy Kyler Murray. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I still think there's the, the Colts hurt themselves. I think there's a – a real, you know, thought out there right now that the Jim Irsay is kind of a meddling owner and he hasn't been throughout his entire, really his entire reign here. Uh, but that's all it takes is, is one high profile kind of mistake. Like, like they made uh, the way they handled the Frank Reich firing and bringing in Jeff Saturday and the whole situation with Sam Ellinger. I, I think that really in the coaching community, I, I don't know that we've seen yet the full extent that that damage has caused. I think that's going to be one of the big stories of the offseason. We'll see it real quickly. I mean, that will be one of the real quick stories that we can watch. Uh, they'll either be a really nice list of candidates and we'll say, hey, that was overblown. You know, there really wasn't an issue. Or you'll look at that list of candidates and get the idea that, you know, the, the Colts are on a blacklist here. And I, I don't know that. I fear that that's, that's a possibility in this offseason. 
I guess if I was Jim Irsay, and I can make the case to, let's say, Jim Harbaugh, let's say a little out here, maybe he had apprehension about, hey, look, Jim, you, you, you were meddled too much and you had too many, you know, your hands were too in deep here with this team. I think one point you brought up could maybe work in Jim Irsay's favor, and that's it. Really, outside of this year, like you mentioned, he really has not gotten involved, right? He, he's, for the most part, has been hands-off. He's allowed his GM. He's allowed the head coach um, to, to kind of do their work, in part because they had all-time great quarterbacks in Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. I think if you're Jim Mercer, now the toughest part is getting that guy. But at least I think you could fall back on, look, once we get the quarterback, that's kind of, you know, I kind of back off. So we're going to do everything on our power to get him. But I think, like, I think you can make an excuse of, hey, look, this year was just about – we made a few different plans a few years in a row. didn't work. And I just got tired and sick of staying in the same cycle. I wanted to kind of break it. And I think there are some excuses possible to, for Jim Mersey to kind of quell a little bit of those fears from some potential coaches of Jim Mersey's a meddling owner. Just because you, you point out since, you know, he's taken, taken over for the most part, he's been the hands-off owner for, let's say 95% of his ownership tenure. It's a good track record to fall back on. And you kind of, there, there's an opportunity, I think, this year to write off and make the excuse that this year's a one-off. Yeah, and I think that's it. they're going to have to do that, and we'll see how well that sell job goes. Right. Well, like I said, that's going to be one of the quickest stories that plays out. There's a lot of questions that we're going to have Absolutely. this offseason. That's one we're going to find out really fast. Like within the first couple weeks of the offseason, we're going to know really you know, how much damage was done there. So at least the, the latest head coaching candidate that's getting some steam Leslie Frazier, you're out, I'm out. Let's just, for, for fun's sake, to wrap this segment up, George. If, you, if this was the only two candidates interested and these are the last two candidates, Leslie Frazier, Jeff Saturday, who would you give the job to? I know, I know. George's face. Andrew Luck's not an option. Disgust. Disgust. <laughs> you can't, can't bring Andrew yeah, Luck bring in, in there. Um, back as head coach. I mean, I, honestly, I'd probably just stick with Jeff Saturday. If that was... The only two choices. My whole problem right now is you bring Leslie Frazier in. I don't know what case you make that he's an upgrade from Frank Reich. What have you done uh, where you've upgraded the head coach role? I I don't think you would. I think you would have a worse head coach than you had the year before. So that's kind of my case against him. The devil you know is sometimes better than the devil you don't. I would say that. I'm with you, Jeff Saturday. If that's... If you're sitting here with a head coaching search gone completely sideways, and probably this point, George, we'll have done five, six, seven emergency pods. By that point, if we're sitting here talking about a final two candidacy of Jeff Saturday and Leslie Frazier, we have to just cancel the podcast. So that's that's going to be the discussion <laughs> and the debate we're having here. Holy smokes. But yeah, I'm with you. I would just at this point take Jeff Saturday. So there, there you go, Jeff. There's the path to your, to being the head coach of 2023. Make the case you're better than Leslie Frazier and hope everyone else does not, you know, want to go to the Colts. Maybe you can do some smear campaigns of your own and start, you know, making ads yourself in some target markets of like San Francisco and other potential candidates areas of homes and just uh, blast the Colts. Ah, not the job you want. That's yeah. Well, you know, maybe maybe T.Y. Hilton can help him out there. I know we'll talk about that here in a segment, too, but maybe he can talk a couple of candidates out of it and keep Jeff Saturday in the mix here. That is true. That is true. Speaking of T.Y., he has a new home. It is not in Indy. We'll discuss if the Colts made a mistake in not bringing T.Y. Hilton back for another season. We'll do that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Nicky and George Bremer here with you. As always, make sure you download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you do get your pods. So some Colts news the last few days here and Colts wide receiver news in the last few days, George. 
as the Dallas Cowboys, a team that of basically, they, I mean, forget it reported. Jerry Jones every week, it feels like he's on, on Dallas radio talking about how he desperately wants OBJ to be on, on the team and doesn't understand why he hasn't signed yet. Well, they signed a veteran receiver. It was not Odo Beckham Jr. Instead, Colts legend, I think it's fair to say Colts legend, T.Y. Helton now goes to Dallas for the first, you know, does leave Indy for the first time in his career. Signed for the last four games of the season. It's good to see T.Y. Um, back in the NFL for sure, George, and it's good to see him because it definitely will not be here in the next few years. Good to see him actually competing for a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, that's great. I hope he gets it. I honestly do. Uh, yeah, I look at his chance over there, and, and I'm excited for him uh, to get in there and, and, and make a run with this Dallas team. Uh, it'll be fun to see how that plays out for him. Stinks, uh, you know, that didn't end here in Indy for him, and it stinks that he wasn't able to, to make that kind of deep playoff run here. Uh, but I'm happy for T.Y. at this point in his career to be able to go to Dallas and, you know, see what see what comes of it. Absolutely. And he's one of those guys, too, I feel like, you know, him, Andrew Luck, like at least in recent history, like kind of the two long-term Colts that have been in a while and then like that just unable to kind of get that one ring where you feel you really feel for him because they've done everything on the field. Uh, in order to do so, he's been one of the best receivers Colts have you know ever had. Third in franchise history in terms of receiving yards, he's just been he was an absolute joy to watch, absolute joy to watch. And it's nice to see at least at this stage of his career going to a spot that kind of fits him perfectly. Like we even saw a little bit last year, you know, he's kind of really in the last leg of his career. Tua Hilton kind of banged up early on in, the, uh, in his career. Kind of now those injuries kind of come in later on, kind of you know, kind of impact him, but. He's a guy now going to play just four games in the playoffs, so small sample size, so health should be pretty fine. Um, and he's a guy that you have C.D. Lamb out there as well, should take a lot of distractions away and kind of open up some holes for him. Fits him really well with that Dallas offense. Yeah, no, I think he'll fit in nicely there. I think he'll have a, a good role. I think that was part of the issue here, you know, is that I think the Colts had some interest in bringing him back. I don't know that T.Y. had a lot of interest in coming back, and a lot of that was because – you knew who the top three receivers were going to be here. Were Pittman, Paris Campbell, and Alec Pierce. And I think the Colts made the right decision in, in letting Alec Pierce develop, not having T.Y. Hilton here, taking snaps away from him. The way the season's gone, I think, was in the best interest of both parties. I mean, T.Y. would have gained nothing by being here in, during this 4-8-1 season unless he could play left tackle. I mean, that, <laughs> that might change things. Uh, and Alec Pierce would gain nothing by watching T.Y. You know, in this situation. I, I think... The Colts did the right thing for the wide receiver room, and I think T.Y. Hilton did the right thing for T.Y. Hilton. That's why I'm glad to see him land now in Dallas and get this opportunity. His career doesn't end with the injury last year. He's got a shot now to, to go and, and hopefully make a deep playoff run um, with the Cowboys, and I, I agree. I think it's a it's franchise and an offense that really fits him well, uh, and we'll see how it turns out for him. It's tough just because you're probably right where he wanted to play, and I don't think he would have signed on to be a mentor per se, but – I think he would have been a great influence for this Colts team and for these young Colts receivers if that was a role he didn't mind taking where he would have been probably wide receiver four um, you know, with reduced playing time because I think he would have just been a tremendous boost to kind of help Alec Pierce develop a little bit more. Even help Michael Pittman Jr., who's now kind of really now, you know, kind of this year, especially I think developed and assumed that number one role like full-time without a doubt. I think he could have kind of helped, you know, playing that position, you know, and having that role for a long time here in Indy. I think could have helped Michael Pittman Jr.'s development. And maybe, I don't know how much of his, honestly, uh, how much of experience and um, and veteran leadership could have transformed and helped the tight ends. That's another, you know, pass-catching room that does not have a lot of experience. 
I get if you didn't want to do it, fine. There's nothing the Colts could do. Like you mentioned, there was some interest reportedly about the Colts trying to bring him back a few times in the offseason or coming into this year. But I think it would have been nice for the Colts if you, again, is interested in taking on more of a developmental role than player, kind of help these young guys along. But if he wants to play, if he wants to compete for a championship, he made the absolute right move sitting out the first 13 games of the year because he lands in a good spot in Dallas. He's going to play, and he should you know, fit well. And we know him. you know, He does make some big catches in big games. Guy who kills zone defenses, so it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of see him in the playoffs. And especially with the Colts not being anywhere near the playoff push, at least in the NFC, you got Colts scattered all around. Which you know, in one sense, is nice to root for someone, but also in the other sense, it's well, these guys could have been useful uh, in Indy, that's for sure. Instead of on you know other Super Bowl caliber rosters. Well, I mean, Nick Sirianni and the Eagles, and he's got Zach Pascal there with him. George Odom uh, with the 49ers. Is this a good chance? The NFC representative will have a Colts flavor to it. Uh, I think it's fitting with T.Y. going to Texas. The only thing is Dallas brought him in a week too late, right? He needed to come in last week and, and play against Houston. He would have had 150 yards. Yeah. He probably wouldn't have had to step <laughs> that one out. That's a good point. Jerry Jones should have been faster on that. Come on, he's wasted too much time with Odell Beckham Jr. What are you doing? Yep. Uh, big big swing and a miss there by, by Jerry Jones. You could have definitely used him against the Texans. That game wasn't in Houston, though. That would have been even more perfect for him. True, that's true. But either way, uh, the Texans, I'm sure, are not too sad to see T.Y. going to Dallas the week after they play him. Because boy, oh boy, that did he torment them? That is for oh, man, that is for sure. That is for sure. But anyway, good for T.Y. Fingers crossed. You see, like I said, see him get a ring. He's one of those great guys, great cult legends. And it's just a shame that they can never get over the hump with him. Um, you know, him and Angel Luck were such a blast to watch. I hope that. You know, unfortunately, it's not an indie. Hope he does though end his career with a ring and you know do get to hoist the Lombardi Trophy at some point. Uh, in his career. And you'd assume also, George, when he actually does hang it up for real, you'd assume he'll sign a one-day contract in Indy, come back and retire as a Colt. Yeah, I would think so. I don't think there's any bad blood between him and the organization. And I uh, really want to probably the, him and Robert Mathis kind of come to mind the, the, the most immediately is some of the best draft picks the Colts have had. Traded mm-hmm. up in the third round to get T.Y. Hilton. That's pretty good value. Uh, pretty good career. Ten years that he had here. Almost 10,000 yards. Uh, 53 touchdowns. Again, the, the only missing thing is is that championship ring, and hopefully he gets that in Dallas. Uh, definitely going to be a Ring of Honor member here. Definitely going to be a guy who's who's long remembered as an Indianapolis Colt, no matter where his no matter where his career ultimately ends. Absolutely, absolutely for sure. So good for two. We are definitely rooting for him on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Otherwise, George, not much to root for. Otherwise, right? We're rooting for losses. Rooting for losses for the rest of the four game stretch here. Rooting for T.Y. Hilton have some success in Dallas. That is for sure. So that'll do for this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. We do appreciate you sticking along and, and being with us here as we enter the final home stretch, the final month of the regular season. We will be back on Thursday for a preview pie, but we won't necessarily preview the game against the Vikings. We'll talk about it for sure, but we know you're more interested at this point in the draft. So we will talk a little draft talk, preview that with a few quarterback discussions as well. Serve as a little bit of a primer for the offseason and what is going to be a very busy offseason for the Colts when it comes to uh, quarterback selection and kind of quarterback breakdown. So we'll kind of get the ball rolling there on Thursday. So make sure, you're, again, you're downloading, subscribing, and liking to the Blue Ocean Pod. So you make sure you get an alert when that podcast does drop later this week. Have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you on Friday when it does drop right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.